welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Eric. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. It's a, it's a, not, it's a beautiful day out. I'd love to, love to see it. So tell me, how good is your geography around Africa? Um, I haven't had someone ask me that question since middle school, so I'm not sure. That's perfectly fine. Just so like you know what I'm talking about, could you open up, like, go to Google Maps? Sure. Just pull up Africa, I guess, and uh, change it to satellite view? Yes. Okay. Are we going to be talking about erosion? Not erosion, uh, but you're close. If you haven't figured, I'm going to be talking about Africa. Specifically, I have wondered how the hell hu- early humans left the continent. Okay, interesting. It's something that really baffled me. It didn't really seem possible. Like, think 100,000 years ago, humans were in Africa in the middle part. They were hunter-gatherers at this time, so they had to move to greener pastures wherever the, the, their food went. Yes. You mean to tell me the animals and humans collect, uh, decided to collectively migrate to the middle of the most vast and desolate desert on Earth? Something doesn't add up. So we got a real mystery on our hands here. What possibly compelled this migration? Good question. I do think there was much less um, erosion at the time. I I know that the Sahara Desert Desert is expanding because of uh, soil erosion, and it's growing and spreading because there's no vegetation to to keep the the sand in place. Mm -hmm. I I, I do believe the desert wasn't as big back prehistory times. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what we're going to be talking about, oh. about how humans went from Central Africa back in the hunter-gatherer days past the desert and through, through the Arabian Desert as well to places else, to elsewhere. Yeah, looking at the map and that size of desert, I, I would think the same. How? The main idea here is the climate used to be different back in the day and to show just how it changed drastically, I'm going to talk to you about how it's possible for the Sahara to be green until not too long ago. I'm completely interested in that. Before we get into the actual uh, climate part, I need to define a few things. I know, the most riveting discussion. So a desert is a place with very little precipitation for whatever reason. As you might be able to guess, that, uh, that makes it a pretty hostile environment. But by this definition, it only cares about rain. The only thing that matters is moisture in the atmosphere. So... Places like Antarctica are considered cold deserts as well, just because there's no real rain or snow around there, so desert. Slightly off topic, but I saw a map of American deserts, and there are many more than uh, our common knowledge, and it's really interesting. Oh, really? Let me me try and find that. Let's see. Do you want to take a guess how many there are? Um, 21. You uh, got that backwards. It is 12. Oh. (laughs) Thank you, Wikipedia. Here are the cold deserts. Oh. Yeah, okay. It's a lot of deserts, more than I expected, but in the right region. Right. Well, okay, there there might be many deserts around that I had no clue about, but that that's what a desert is. A savanna is a place that's mostly grass and trees scattered around, not very dense, like you would see a forest or something tropical, um, and it's characterized by having a wet season where most of the pre- precipitation comes in certain months, so a monsoon essentially. So there's a savanna just south of the Sahara. It's called the Sahel Sahara, a savanna. You might be able to see it on the map. 
if if you look at uh, Western Africa, there's a green patch around the the closer to the coast. It's right yes. north of that. Oh, okay. But there's also one in America, a savanna in America, separating the Midwest from the prairies. It's technically a savanna. So yeah, I guess they're they're not only only um, things that you'd see in Africa. There's also a savanna in Georgia. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And boring definitions. All right. So let's start with what could have caused such a drastic change. Well, it all starts with the Earth's orbit. Around 10,000 years ago, the Earth's orbit was a bit different than it is now. It made it such that the northern hemisphere got about 8% more sun than it does today. So it's just a little bit more tilted towards the north. The sun, that is. So it, it was generally hotter in the northern summer than it was the southern summer. Okay. So because of that, North Africa got pre pretty hot, but there should be a distinction. Just because someplace is hot doesn't mean it's a desert, necessarily. It could just as easily be a tropical rainforest that's hot. All that really changes in those instances is the amount of moisture in the atmosphere, and which is independent of heat, until you boil it. But <laughs> nothing does. Here's something to help you understand weather a little bit better, so when, you, when the weatherman says something or when you see the temperature. Okay. When it's hot in some place, the air in that re region will rise because it's hotter. And that is that creates a low pressure region, meaning that the surroundings will try to move in to fill the pressure difference. Mm -hmm. So if it's unusually hot one day, expect the weather to change soon. Like Michigan, got it. Like Michigan. <laughs> but if it's clear day, but not a cloud in the sky, very little wind, it's it's a high pressure region, so it's you know you're gonna have a very nice day if it, if you if it's a high if it's like that. Uh, back to it though, it gets hot around the African coast, so air comes in from the surroundings to fill that gap. So it's hot around the coast, air rises, causes a low pressure region, air flows in from the surroundings to fill that gap. What weather is it gonna bring? It'll be whatever the ocean has to offer which is a lot oh. of humidity, clouds, rain. Now they now it's raining a lot on the coast. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's, that it, makes sense how the Rocky Mountains screw that up in America. Yes, that's a great observation. Whenever you have a mountain region and then a a coast on one side, expect the other side to be a desert or arid. And that's what happens most of the time. All right. So, that's pretty sweet. Uh, since it rains more, this place uh, uh, this place that used to be a desert turns into a savanna with trees and grass and animals all around. And you know what that does? Since all that sand is not filled with uh, is now filled with vegetation, that region can absorb more sunlight and gets even hotter, bringing more low pressure regions that cause more humidity and rain from the surrounding oceans. And there's a lot of ocean to pull from. The continent is surrounded by it. And it's also massive. It's, it's absolutely huge. Massive. All of a sudden, there's an unexpected consequence. Since, there's, uh, since there are more trees around, and since this is closer to the equator, you get a good number of what's called deciduous trees. That decide, uh, these trees decide that, uh, unlike pine trees, for example, that we see around, these deciduous trees decide that it's better to not hoard all your water uh, in themselves and instead release it into the atmosphere, making it even more humid. Thank you, trees. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's a bit of a domino effect that goes on here. 
uh, more rain and water lead to plants that call for more water and all this uh, and all this because the land got a little bit more sun uh, over the course of a few thousand years this sounds like a jungle it sounds like you're describing how to make a jungle yeah, it it would be how you make a jungle. In fact, uh, the, the the tropical rainforests around this region probably expanded as the Sahara, uh, savanna uh, expanded as well. So so all that turned the Sahara green until about 6,000 years ago. This period is known as the African human period and it led to humans settling parts of the Sahara for a good while. That is an awkward name. The African human period? Yeah, that's just a really awkward sounding name. I mean, like, like I'm glad it existed, but come on. Yeah, okay, I could see it. That was the AHP right there. Sorry, person that named that. It's just, it sounds weird. <laughs> just name it after someone like, you know, everyone else does. Yeah, why not? Anyway. This was around 6,000 years ago. Not exactly when humans uh, left Africa for the first time. But I guess it's to show that the climate around this region can very easily change. This is a good example of it. Since humans, you know, got into the Sahara, there was food all around, and it was all right weather. It was definitely hot, but you could learn to live with it. Right, and I'm sure that impacted a lot of the cultures that come from there in terms of um, did, clothing and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, archaeologists were just baffled, so confused, that they were like, why are we finding, like human remains and uh, cave paintings in the middle of the Sahara. What's going on here? It used to be the Sahara Forest. Oh, the Sahara, uh, the Saharan Savannah, I suppose would be more accurate. Right. Yes. True. So I gave you this whole boring intro into how the Savannah was really wet for a period to lead you to this fact. Since there was so much rain, the lakes and rivers around could carry a good amount more water and were often uh, got bigger during this period. You might be able to see on this map, uh, there's uh, this lake just south of the Sahara called Lake Chad. And since this wet period brought a lot of water into the region, the lake expanded. The ancient lake was given the name Lake Mega Chad. That is all. That's an amazing name. Okay, <laughs> where is this? I, I see the country. It's next to the country. I thought that was grass. No, it's just surrounded by grass. It is. All because of that lake. Think about it. That lake was massive with a bunch of rivers flowing out of it, probably into what is now the desert. In fact, I see a river flowing out of it into the desert right now. That's that's pretty much my favorite part of all this. Just the name. Oh, Lake Mega Chad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that is on, like their tourism page i wonder how they would market themselves like the most chad lake in existence dude yes <laughs> but either way that's how the sahara a desolate and vast desert was once turned green and it's all because it was just hotter it's just a bit hotter you know what that means we're regrowing the saharan savanna yeah actually we are some climate scientists think that if our climate change problem uh you know the problematic one uh, gets bad enough we might get a resurgence of the green sahara but not in our lifetimes of course like it'll it'll be a va it'll, it won't be a fast change that happens what would the consequences of that be i mean looking just at africa not not the rest of the world like what would reforestation in north africa look like from what i understand it would just turn 
what is now desert to more, more vegetation. If it gets hotter, so there are there is stuff that a hotter climate does to the rest of the world. Like, for example, in America, the arable land in the continental U.S. has been decreasing over time and going to Canada, actually. I I learned about that with pop popcorn corn. Oh, really? That's there's like only a, a certain region, which is like Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin area. That's the right climate for growing it and it, it might start moving further north oh didn't know that but yeah it would be this climate change stuff it, i'm not a climatologist i don't know exactly what's gonna happen i don't think anyone really does but it's uh it's gonna change our world uh not in a good way necessarily yeah the canadians are gonna steal the popcorn manufacturing yeah that's right <laughs> canada's gonna be the breadbasket of the world or something <laughs> Hey, you got a lot of land up there. So all these climate change things usually have a knock-on effect and feedback loops, which is what I was saying. Like, you know, once once you get the ball rolling, it'll keep on rolling until a massive change it comes by that uh, to stop this, like the Earth's orbit changing. Okay. So yeah, that's that's all I have for you. What did you think? It's really interesting. Like, I would love to see like a computer simulated like time lapse of that. Yeah. That would be cool. In the beginning, I motivated this entire episode by wondering how humans actually left Africa in the first place, given there were hostile environments in their way. This is a bit of a larger topic, and I need multiple episodes to give it the attention it deserves. So this will be the first part in a series of episodes that will come out later on how humans left Africa. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Tell us what you think about it, and tell a friend about it. And for supplementary material, follow us on Twitter, at MoreAbstract. And you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts.